Thank you for what you've done, Lord Jesus, our Commander-in-Chief. Thank you so much for trusting us so much. Oh, for trusting us with yourself, with your very own life, for living the Holy Spirit in us till the work here on earth is accomplished. Thank you for counting on us for our generation. Oh, thank you for counting on us for generations to come. Thank you for investing a lot in us because you've loved us. And we honor you today in the mighty name of Jesus. You're welcome to church, brethren. Hallelujah. It's so wonderful to be in the fellowship of the Spirit. It's so wonderful to be in the fellowship of the Spirit. See, it's in the fellowship of the Spirit that we have the strength to do all that we ought to do. Hallelujah. So someone here is strengthened. You are strengthened. You don't need to feel anything. You are strengthened because it's in your spirit. And at any point of necessity, that strength surges from your spirit man. Fills your soul with confidence, with stability, with peace. And then it moves your body to the right actions. And miss whatever is happening around you. Hallelujah. And that's why we are different. We are not just human beings. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. We're going to be sharing the word of God together. Pastor, thank you for asking me to minister the word of God today. Like I would always say, it's the greatest privilege anyone would have to talk about what God says. We're in a series of studying our vision. Who remembers our vision? Anybody? Who remembers our vision? Yes, you can remember. Just chant it out loud. Yes. Bring the family. Hallelujah. So, it tells you who we are and what our mandate is. Bringing the power of Christ to everyday life. The first part of it says we are a multicultural family anchored on the word of God. In the sermon today, I'm going to emphasize on the anchorage on the word of God. Hallelujah. When you are anchored on the word of God, it means that nothing shakes you. And I would like to let you also know that being anchored on the word of God is the prerequisite for us to bring the power of Christ to everyday life. Hallelujah. It takes people who are anchored on the word of God to bring the power of Christ in every circumstance of life. And we are privileged in such a time as this to be those that the Lord has given this mandate. So today we are going to be talking about being anchored on the word of God. 
so that we can bring the power of Christ to everyday life. Hallelujah. Amen. Part of the things I will be sharing with you are things that will give you a new perspective when you fellowship with the Word of God. You know we fellowship with the Word of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> we don't just read the Bible. We don't just study the Bible. We fellowship with the Word of God through the Bible. <clears throat> what it means is that you let the Word of God mingle through you as you mingle through it. And when you do, what happens is the old English calls it transfiguration. It's actually a transformation, a change, a change that makes you become the expression of the Word of God. Yeah. That makes you the episode. Hallelujah. The writing of the Bible ended in the days of the apostles or some generations later. But it continues in us. Every one of us is an episode of God to this generation. Because they are to read you and I and understand God. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Colossians chapter That place is a request made to you and I. <laughs> Asking us to allow the word of Christ to live in us. Reaching. Reaching. When I tell you, let me go and do something, I'm it's a kind of asking you to allow me to go and do something. When I came to the Netherlands, I realized that the English is different. The Dutchman doesn't ask you, let me go and use the toilet. No. He tells you, I want to go and use the toilet. There are different expressions. He's telling you what he wants to do. He's not asking your permission. <laughs> the way I grew up, people normally say, let me go, as if you are holding me. But in this place, Paul actually says, let. Meaning that you should, eh? Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. You should let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. One of the things I'm going to be sharing are tools and tips that will help us be anchored on the word of God. You know, when a ship is in the waters, the, the deep waters, deep seas, it starts to and fro, depending on the size of the ship. When that ship gets to its destination, at its destination, we suppose that it should, you know, either get off some goods or let the people that were in it alight. For that to happen, the ship would need to be stable. Now, I'm standing behind the pulpit. I'm trying to anchor myself on this pulpit so I don't move too much. Hallelujah. Now, the ship that I'm describing has to be stable. For that to happen, they actually put an anchor. And once the anchor is grounded, the ship becomes stable. Hallelujah. And then people can alight. When you are pressed on the wall, 
The things inside you are the things that would come out. Yeah. If the word of God is what's inside you, at the moment of being pressed, the word of God will lose out. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now the question is, how can we have the word of God get to dwell inside us richly? Of course, the Lord has given us the Bible. How many of you have a Bible? You know, we are so blessed in this generation that the Bibles are now electronic, meaning that it's not, an, it's not a luggage. Those days when <laughs> those days when when some people were young, because some people are still young. In those days, you need to carry a Bible, physical Bible, to church, and the bigger your Bible, the more serious you are. <laughs> we listed the Oma Marike, and she brought the Bible of was it 18th century. It's a, it's a heavy load. <laughs> to even bring it down from the shelf. Yes. But God has blessed us that we have Bible apps. I believe you have Bible on your phone. Yes. For those that have smartphones. Is there anyone here that doesn't have a Bible on his phone? <laughs> you know what I'm asking? So you can ask the technical team to help you put it. <laughs> yeah, because it's possible maybe the person doesn't know how to put it. So if you have Facebook in your phone, WhatsApp, Messenger, Gmail, Jordan Mail, Yahoo, if you have your exercise app, Instagram, Twitter, if you have all of them in your phone and your Bible is not there, something is wrong. I want to plead with you by the mercies of God. Let your phone have a Bible app. Okay, so I want to why I'm asking so I want to introduce you to a very important Bible app that I use, which has blessed me. Why it has blessed me is that it has helped me to understand the word of God. You know, we, in the Bible, it's good to know that the Bible is not only what God said that is there. Do you know? Do you realize that? Yes. It's a report of what has been said in the history of God, those that God dealt with. Man, devil, angel, whatever. And all the people that God's people interacted with, including the enemies of Israel. Yes. So when Satan came to tempt Adam, it wasn't God. Even though it's in the Bible. So you can't call Satan's temptation of Adam God's word. So I want you to make that distinction. Do you understand what I mean? Now, why I'm introducing you to this app is that, um, oh no, can you put the logo? It's already there. When you search in your app store, you find it's free. You don't need to pay anything. <laughs> Now, why I'm introducing you to this Bible is that it allows you to see, because, you know, the Bible was not written in English originally. You, you hope you understand that. Yes. So human beings like you and I, who believed in God in their time, sat down and said, this Bible has to also be in the English language, or maybe in your own mother tongue, for more people to understand God's word. That's intention. So they translated it from the original writing, either the Hebrew or the Greek, in, the Greek into English. And we are reading the English Bible today. But you know, you know, when you tell someone, please go and tell so so and so person, to tell so so and so person, to tell so so and so person, this. <laughs> Before it gets to the final destination, you will hear different things. Now, it's not that the person you sent to tell the other person, or the other person, it's not that they intended to change what you are telling them. But it's that perceptions are different. 
based on the cultures where we've grown. Do you understand? Like I told you, I want to use the toilet and let me get two different statements, meaning different things in different people's head. If I tell the Dutch person, let me go and eat, he will be wondering what's wrong with this fellow. Am I holding him? <laughs> and whereas if he tells me I want to go and do this, I'll, I'll be thinking, ah, I thought he would have told me let me go. So due to all those things, the things we read finally from the, from the Bible, some of them have been mixed up. Now this app helps me because I want to know actually what was God's original intention. What was the first message? Yeah. It helps me to access it. So what I do, I do if you well, for those that have it, it's, on, it's, a, it's, a, it's a phone app, so it cannot be on the laptop. We have shown you, but if you get, you see that some words have numbers like a G two five something H, so Hebrew or Greek. When you click on those numbers, you will find the original word from where the translation was given. Yeah. Then you read for yourself what it means. Is it actually what is translated? Because there are some places you read, it will look like there is a confusion. No, God is not the author of confusion. Yeah. But human beings that have been brought in the line to facilitate the translation of the scriptures, who actually did their best in their time? Yeah. I hope you understand that they tried. Yeah? So I'm not trying to flood them, it's just for you to understand that if you were in their time, we may not have done any better. Because in the work with God, you do things based on what is made known to you. <laughs> to the best of your revelation. And because God wants the kingdom to make progress, every generation that comes, the expectation is that revelation should become clearer and clearer until the perfect day. So we expect that in the generation of our sons, they should know God better. Yes. They should understand the principles of the world yeah. better and find application more than we are doing now. Yeah. Hallelujah. Okay, so uh, I believe you understood. I believe I've, I've uh, advertised this app very well. <laughs> Have I? Did I do a good job on this app? Yes. I'm not getting any commission, so it's free. <laughs> it's for us to grow together. So I said here in the note that you should understand the disparities between the world. So one, one example, I want to illustrate one with you. If you go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, it's a very popular passage of the Bible, which I would like us to read together. See if, if it can be beamed for me to help. Okay. Oh, thank you. So you see, oh no, technical team. Please, let's clap for technical team. They are making the work a lot easier. The Lord bless you and increase your ministries. The Lord gives you more equipments. Amen. The Lord gives you reach to wider audience. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So that's what it looks like. See that King James Version? Okay, so can you... Uh, so you see if in the K KJV... Now the point I want to point out is in, in the old King James Version, translators, because in the Hebrew Greek, some of the words, if you translate them directly to English without editing them, they don't make any sense. So they added what you can call either punctuations or uh, uh, prepositions or things that will make a complete sentence. Yeah. And thank God, they did well to also indicate where they added stuff. So when you see italicized words in the Old King James Bible, it shows you where the translators added something to make a complete sense. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Now my point here is, it's good you also understand whether the additions are actually correct. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's look at 2 Timothy 
chapter 3, verse 15 and 16 to understand more practically. The Bible says in verse 15, so Paul talking to Timothy says, and that from child, from a child, you have known the holy scriptures, emphasis, holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, then we see, all scripture, you see that is, is italicized. All scripture, so let me read it as it is. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be truly furnished. Now, the is, the two is, is, eh? is and is. In verse 16, you notice that they are italicized. Did you notice that? I don't know if, okay. Go to the old King James. The old King James. The old King James has those two is, is, italicized, showing you where the translators added is to make a complete sense. However, if you remove the two is, is from that verse, you realize that verse 16 is explaining verse 15, talking about what holy scriptures are. So Paul told Timothy, you from childhood known the holy scriptures that make you wise unto salvation. And the message is describing what the Holy Scriptures are. All scripture given by the inspiration of God. Yeah. And profitable for doctrine. And that's Holy Scripture. So, the emphasis is, it's not everything that is in the Bible that is Holy Scripture. So the Scripture is big. There are many parts of it. There are words of the prophets. There is the law. It's only what is God breathed. What is of the inspiration of yeah. God. That is Holy Scripture. And that is the one that is recommended for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe the point is very clear. Now, if you, if you remember in the book of Second Peter, chapter chapter, uh, I think one verse twenty, Peter said, "No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation." That shows that inside the Scripture there is what is called prophecy. So there is a prophecy part of the Scripture. And it was said that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Emphasis, holy. So when you are reading your Bible, seek to understand the holy word of God inside your Bible. It is that one that you fellowship with. The other part of scripture, all the other writings, is good to know them for information's sake. But you don't fellowship with those. I don't you understand what I mean. Because for you to grow, your spirit man is like a magnet. It's attracted to the word of God. And that's what brings about the transfiguration that we are talking about. Hallelujah. So Jesus told uh, the people he dealt with in the in book of John. John chapter 5. Maybe we should read that place. I think it's important. John chapter 5 verse 13 and 13. He told them, you search the scriptures. Because you think in them you have eternal life. They said that those are they which testify of me. They are they which testify. Now, I, I, I want to also show you the advantage of this app. So I went to study the day and the day in that verse. And I realized that they are not the same. It's in John chapter 5, verse 38 and 39. So 38, Jesus said, but you do not have his word abiding. Can you, can you go to... And you have not his word abiding in you for whom 
He said, you believe me. Verse 39. Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they, so you see the first day, are they, the second day, which testify of me. The two days are different. Yeah. The first day means daring. The second day means to be present. So Jesus was telling them, inside the scriptures exists or is present or are present, the parts that testify of me. And he said it is actually those parts that you should prioritize. Because when you do that, you realize that I am the Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus, thank you. I believe you, you, you get my point, eh? Do you understand my point? So when you are dealing with the word of God, understand that you need to discover the word. Even in the New Testament, Paul told them, I commend you to the, to the, word, to the word of God's grace. So there is the word of his grace. I mean, in Jesus' speaking, he said the law and the prophets were on the John. Jesus also talked about the Psalms. Telling that there are different parts of the scripture. We have it to record Bible. So in the word of God, in the Bible, for instance, you have to find the word of God. And when you meditate and contemplate on that word of God, you'll be transfigured and anchored. You'll be anchored. You'll be so anchored that nothing moves you. <laughs> nothing moves you. If they tell that the world is that there is earthquake in the Netherlands, you say earthquake, hallelujah. You say, please, how many people, which part of the Netherlands? You want to go and help. Hallelujah. So one of the things, so beyond the, the, the tool I've advertised to you or encouraged you to go for, is another thing, is to be open to, to dialogue, discussion. You know, when, when, when two brethren meet, I, 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 I get concerned. I don't know what two believers talk about when they meet. I believe you have friends in the church that you meet, either for lunch or visitation. You know, it amazes me that maybe 99.9% .9 of what we discuss, nothing from the Bible will be there. I'm talking of what I've observed there. Yeah? Now, of course, it's difficult. You don't want to, you don't want to look antisocial. Just will tell you that the family, they think it's antisocial because they, they call you for lunch. You're always fasting. You don't go for lunch. I don't know how to tell them you're fasting. And you look like, no, nah, it's not that you want to be better. I mean, it's important in our conversation, in our interaction. We should have the, beyond what happens in church, it, should, it shouldn't be only when we come to church that we discuss Bible like we are talking now. Now, when we make the discussion of God's word, our interaction, you realize that we, our transfiguration is, becomes exponential. Now, that was the reason why God told the Israelites then that they should teach it to their children when they are sitting down, standing up, lying and walking on the street, put it on their doorposts. God wanted them to have collision with the word, 247. Because that is what magnifies or makes manifest the difference between you who has Christ in you and the world. How important it is. If believers don't manifest the life of Christ by becoming one with the word of God, unbelievers wouldn't know why they should become Christians. So by doing this thing we are talking about, it actually, it actually helps to make the gospel move and help many get saved. And that's why the Bible says that God desires many to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There are many that are saved, even here, that have not yet come to the knowledge of the truth. And that deficiency is very significant. It's making a significant impact on our progress. So for us to bring the power of Christ to everyday life, 
we must come to the knowledge of the truth. And one of the things that will help us is to have more sessions, fora of dialogue on the word of God. Time will fail me to read all of this, but it's, it's um, what happened between Paul and his brethren. I want to just show you the attitude of Paul. Acts chapter 19. Verse 1 to 2. So I'm not going to read the whole chapter. So uh, only you will help me. You will skip some verses to be able to get the message. So if you read Acts chapter 19, verse 1 and 2. It begins by saying, And it came to pass that why Apollos. So Apollos was a brother that was heavily loaded in the, in the knowledge of the scriptures. Apollos was at Corinth. Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as had. Whether that be any Holy Ghost. Verse 2. We've read verse 2. So let's look at verse 8 to 10. So it's just to show you where Paul was. In verse 8, and he went into the synagogue. So Paul went to the synagogue and spoke boldly for a space of three months. Now, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. So disputing, if you check the meaning, it's about dialoguing. So it's not like they were fighting. But some of you, when you hear disputing, it's not the court case. They were rubbing minds on the word of God together. Verse 9. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the mortal, he departed from them. So Paul left them and separated the disciples. So, see that word again. Disputing daily in the school of one tyrant. So, Paul split the brethren to various places to have more opportunity to discuss, to deliberate on the word of God. Now, what was the impact? Look at verse, verse 20. Verse 20, it says, so mightily grew the word of God in Ephesus. So, where they were having this thing, the word of God so grew and prevailed. What does it mean to prevail? It meant that there were circumstances that were challenging the church. But because the word of God multiplied in their midst, the word of God grew and prevailed. Now, the practical implication of that was that their faith was finding easy expression. Once you stretch out and somebody gets healed, because the word of God is in the atmosphere. You know, that's what made Israel significantly different from the rest of the nations. Because they had the word of God in their camps. Miracles were easy. Now, miracles don't mean that you don't do anything with your physical body. I don't want you to misunderstand this. Because it's as if sometimes when we talk of miracles, people imagine you just sit and do nothing. And then miracles happen. It's not a replacement of what human beings should do. In fact, in the miracle, there is a the participation of the human part. Jesus told them to remove the stone from Lazarus' grave. Human beings did that. And then he called Lazarus first. So you see that the word of God can grow, actually, in our hearts and in our environment. Yes. So when we go out for lunch in your office, for instance, and two brethren are sitting there talking about one verse of scripture, and then an unbeliever is sitting by the side, he hears the gospel in your interaction. Yeah. And without planning to, you are not talking to him. You are just talking about Jesus and the word of God with yourselves. So the last part of it, I want to give you an, an example of two kinds of people in the Bible, or two groups of believers. Acts chapter 17. You know the Berean Christians. In fact, there is a church called the Berean Christians Church. Yeah. <laughs> there is a church called the Berean Christians Church. I think there is even a Bible translation called the Berean. Yeah. <laughs> now that shows you how, how significant the attitude was in the, in the history of the Bible. So in Acts chapter 17, maybe we will read, we'll read a few verses there. Verse 1 to 5 and verse 10 to 13. So Paul, Paul had been in Thessalonica. I want to compare Berean Christians and Thessalonican Christians. 
Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was the synagogue of the Jews. Verse 2. And Paul, as his manner was, I love this man, he went in unto them, and three Sabbath days, reasoned with them out of the scriptures. You see that again? <laughs> okay. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. And that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And some of them believed and consulted with Paul and Barnabas. And of the devout Greeks, a great multitude. And of the chief women, not a few. I'm happy that they included women in this account. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy and took unto them certain lewd fellows of the Bezer sort, <laughs> the scripture, and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And this is in Thessalonica. Now let's move to see what happened in Berea. Verse 10 to 13. A different kind of attitude. Verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who committed and went into the synagogue of the Jews. Verse 11. And these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Yes. What made them more noble? In that they received the word of God with all readiness of mind. They had an open mind. Yeah. And searched the scriptures daily. Mm. Where that those things were so. Mm. Yeah. You know, there is the searching of the scripture is very essential. Because when you search the scriptures, you are seeking for the truth inside the scripture. Now, let's complete that reading. Verse, verse, uh, verse 12. Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks, so Gentiles, and of men, not a few. <laughs> but when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berry, they came together and also stayed. So you see, two contrasts, Thessalonica and Berry. Now, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I may be wrong. I better be wrong, but I don't know. I'm thinking that this may be one of the reasons why Paul had to write an epistle to Thessalonica. And not to bury them. Because the burials showed an attitude that these guys will receive revelation from the Lord directly. Easy. So they didn't need an episode. But the Thessalonians needed an episode. How much times we misunderstand God's revelation? You know, I, I give you an example. The Lord had to help me with my marriage in terms of getting married. When I tell people about the dramas of revelations and all that, it was because I was in a pure baby. I didn't, I mean, what I mean by that? I was inexperienced on things about marriage. So the Lord needed to dramatize the revelation about my marriage to help me. I don't know if you understand what I mean. Yes. Those that didn't need that didn't need all of those drama. Because in, with respect to marriage, they, they, they knew they could move on, on their own history with the Lord. I don't know if you understand. Yes. Now, to bring it clear, somebody shared a revelation where he saw Jesus. He hugged one brother. He shook hands with the other one. And with him, the Lord just looked at him and went. He felt that there was a problem. Then he tried to inquire. And the Lord made him understand. The one I hugged, if I didn't hug him, he would have asked him. <laughs> the one I shook and needed affirmation. But you on the right track. Now, the wisdom of God different from how we would interpret these things. I think you understand what I mean. So the Bernard Christians did it in an episode. Now, we, are, we may be saying that in Egypt we have, um, this is also a good point I want to bring up, bringing in this life. We have many tents, you have size scriptures, we have foundation class, we have uh, sermon, we have all of The reason is because we are not growing. When we grow, 
you realize that these things, some of them will go normal. Because the need wouldn't be there anymore. I don't know if you understand what I mean. But until that comes, God puts all these things. I don't know if you, sometimes when God speaks to you, sometimes there are some things God wouldn't tell you directly. Because if he tells you, you won't believe. You won't accept. He will just be arranging brethren, random brethren on your way. Each person is talking about the same thing. Then it will help you. How come? Yeah. Then you understand this is God helping me. Yeah. Brethren, you know, it's so sweet to work with the Lord. Yeah. So to be anchored on God's word requires us to understand these things. Yeah. I will close with a, a passage of scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, a very popular verse. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. The Bible says that we all with open face. So my emphasis is there is the open face. I believe or I know that we've been born again from different parts of the world where they, they taught you many things and you've grown with them. They have become your ancient landmarks. Unchangeable, unchangeable, unchangeable. I am, I am. You are not like God. I, I change not. <laughs> so you've held on to them as a tradition for years. And it has been a blockade from you moving forward in your relationship with God. Now this place says that we are with open face. With open face. Yeah. When we openly behold with open face the glory of the Lord in the word of God. Mm. The Bible says we are transfigured yeah. from glory to glory. Yes. Mm. As by the Spirit of the Lord. Yes. Wrongly rendered. And that point where you want to need this app. Eh? Because with this app you'll understand what other place. So it's not as by it's not like it's by the by the through the Holy Spirit. No, it's actually to the extent of the Lord the Spirit. To the same glory of Christ. Showing you the, the because the word of God is one with the Holy Spirit. I mean, they are not different entities, it's the same God. So when you behold with open face, the word of God in itself carries the ability to transfigure you from glory to glory to the very extent of the glory of Christ. And at that point, you can't contain it anymore. You can't keep it anymore. When you pass, people will say that there's the power that just surged through. Yes. When you move, seconds will under, I mean, you can't walk on this side, a demon possessed, just keeps quiet. They will react. They will react. I tell you to try it and see. You know, I was, I mean, I, I, I was going for master. One guy just as if he was drunk was hurting everybody. I was approaching. Immediately I came within a certain radius. The man suddenly turned. Because you know, there was an interference in waves. He turned. And then moved to the other side and kept quiet. I looked at him and then I continued because I understood. Now there is a time for everything anyway. But my point is there are fields, spiritual fields, atmosphere, you carry an atmosphere. Yeah. And when the word of God is indefinitely dwelling in you and your ankle, that atmosphere begins to extend. Your radius and sphere of coverage begins to grow. And when circumstances come into an interference with your field, Hallelujah. Let's rise up and pray. I want you to bless the Lord for the word of God. I want you to, to lift your hand and tell the Lord, I want to be anchored on your word. And I let your word to dwell in me richly. The things I have received today, I'm going to work on them. I want you to make that commitment. Tell yourself, tell your mind, my mind, be focused on this word. And take the truth of God to seriously. I want you to speak to yourself in prayer. And declare over your life that the word of God so much grows in you. I want you to tell your mind to have an openness to the word of God, to behold, to behold, to behold the glory, the glory of the risen Christ. And to refuse anything from being a veil. Father, thank you because your word is true. Because you brought us in such a time as this. 
Sweet Holy Ghost, we are not going to hold back. We are not going to cast any restraint. That they are saying, church, we choose to move forward with you to be anchored on your word. We assimilate every opportunity you've given us, Lord, to let your word dwell in us richly. I let your word occupy my mind two for seven. I let your word be my contemplation. I let your word be my meditation. I let your word be my reasoning point. I let your word be my reference, my standard, my very life. I let the decisions I make be based on your word. I receive your word from every ministry you've placed in AGP for me. I receive your word from the pastoral ministry. I receive your word from the evangelical ministry. I receive your word from the teaching ministry. I receive your word from the prophetic ministry. I receive your word from the apostolic ministry in this place because you've placed them for us to grow together. As a church, we accept these ministries, Father. Oh, and we bring forth fruits. We bring forth results. Results of your word. We are so anchored that we bring the power of Christ to everyday life. Thank you, Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, we've prayed. Amen.